you must read the Brothers Grimm's Children and Household Tales, first published in Germany 200 years ago, because no other literary genre has been as formative as fairy tale for our ideas about storytelling or for our ideas and expectations of who we, as women and men, are and can be in the world. This is our definitive treasury of fairy tales, so if we want to know about these stories, then this book is what we have to read. You might be thinking, but I know what's in that. Handsome princes, damsels in distress, kissing frogs, happy endings, that kind of thing. So I say, no, really, you must read this book because you think you know it, but you don't. In fact, I don't think there can be many books in the world, anywhere, ever, which are simultaneously so famous, so influential, and yet so unknown. If you read this book, you'll find out that at best, we only know a handful of these 200 plus stories, and you'll discover some, at least, of what we've forgotten about fairy tales. We tend to think that fairy tales are familiar, ancient, and unchanging that they're nice stories for children, that they offer us a moral compass, and that they hold out a happy ending. But if you read the Grimm's tales, you'll find out that none of that is true. Fairy tales are less familiar than we might think. You all know about kissing a frog to snag a prince, but here, in these stories, an unwilling princess is forced by her father to sleep with a disgusting, scheming frog. So far from kissing the frog, when she gets a chance, she sneakily smashes it against a wall with a view to killing it. Um, surprisingly, though, it doesn't become a little froggy corpse, as she'd planned. It becomes a nice prince, and then she doesn't mind sleeping with him quite so much. <laughs> but the point is, the story has changed quite a bit in the last 200 years. Grimm's tales weren't for children, and many of them certainly aren't nice. Consider the story of all fur, a princess whose widowed father tries to force her to marry him and who undergoes a sustained humiliation as a result of refusing to do so. And in the juniper tree, a stepmother kills her little stepson and cooks him up in a soup which his own father says is the best dinner ever. And did you know that at the end of Cinderella, the heroine's pet birds pluck out her sister's eyes, first on one side going into the church for the wedding, and then on the other side coming back out again? And do fairy tales offer a moral compass hand in hand with their happy endings? Again, think of the frog prince. Is that really a happy ending? Is it really even an ending at all, given that one spouse is manipulative and the other one is downright violent? These tales are big on cruel and unusual punishments, being burned alive or rolled around inside a spiky barrel. But these punishments are meted out in disproportionate, often arbitrary or morally offensive ways. There are brutal anti-Semitic and misogynistic elements here. And they usher us into a strange world where justice, as we understand it, is adrift. So now you're probably thinking, well, why should I read that? It sounds awful. And I say, no, you must read it, because I don't think we do read only for sugar and spice and all things nice. We read to challenge ourselves, and we read to challenge what we think is true. 
This book is central to the stories we tell about ourselves and our lives every day. How often do we catch ourselves wishing for a fairy tale ending? So we should know, at least, what these stories and endings really are. But in addition, you must read this book because it's fascinating, haunting, and complex. Alongside recognizing its problematic aspects, you will learn about the man who knows no fear and travels the world looking for it, coolly fighting off demons who play skittles with skulls, only to discover that true fear is in his marriage bed. You can take career advice from the lazy, smart girl who works out how to get let off doing work for life. You'll find out how to drop diamonds and pearls from your tongue with every word, how to see off giants, and possibly more usefully, how to get on with giants. You'll find out how best to climb glass mountains and how, after a long and colourful life, to trick St. Peter himself. And you will enter a world of fantasy. In a strange state of paradoxical tension with this volume's deeply disturbing aspects, these stories about the magic allow us to think about the world not only as it is, but as it could be. And that's another reason why you should read this book. <laughs>